having lately the Healthy Family series. How many of you guys have enjoyed Cameron's talks on that? Yeah, it's been so good. And um, today I'm going to be talking about something um, that God has really taught me a lot about in the last two years, two or three years. And um, it's actually with a lot of hum- like a humble heart that I kind of share with you what I'm going to be talking about today, knowing that I do not have this down. <laughs> I am in process, as we all are, and I realize like I still have a long way to go. And so I, I'm sharing this with you, kind of just keep that in mind, that we're all in process. And um, I feel like the Lord keeps revealing more and more about this to me. You know how when you, you, you get to know about something like, you know, the violin or automobiles or, you know, just pick a topic and once you start looking into it, there's so much to know. Have you ever kind of been overwhelmed by that? This is how it's been for me with honor. This is what I'm talking about today. Uh, there's so much to know about honor and the goodness of honor and how God is and and there's just so much to it. And uh, so I feel like this big in the land of honor. In the school of honor, I'm in kindergarten. That's what I feel like. Anyway, um, I'm going to start and just uh, pray. So if you'll join with me a moment. Holy Spirit, I just thank you for your goodness. Wow, you're so good, God. I just thank you for each one here, Lord, that your love is over each one here. That your acceptance is over each one here, God. That your goodness is over their life that you're working in their life for good, God. And, Lord, I just pray, Father, over each one, Lord, that this message would um, penetrate their hearts from heaven and that your goodness would shine in the topic of honor in their hearts today that would bear fruit in our lives as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. God is so good. So I want to start with a story. About uh, 13 years ago, I was at the school of ministry in Toronto, and... When I was there, there was like four months of school and then a one-month outreach, and you would get selected with a group of people to go to a certain destination and spend a month there doing something, you know, reaching out to churches or whatever. And um, so I, you know, spent the four months, and then we got our team selected, and my team was a team of 12 that we were going to England, and um, we were going to work in churches. And on this team, there was a guy who... Uh, let's just call him Mark. I don't know why I picked that name, but his name will be Mark today. And he uh, was kind of what one would typically uh, consider maybe a geek or something. He he was, like, really small, and he had, like, a flat-top haircut, which I remember was kind of cool in second grade. And um, he his clothes were kind of outdated, shall we say. And he carried himself with almost, like, the expectation of, you know, maybe he didn't have a lot of friends in life, and maybe he didn't expect to have a lot of people like him. You know, you could just see that on him. He would carry himself that way. And and I had never actually, I, I mean, I knew who he was in my school, but I never really talked to him the whole time I was there until he was on my outreach team. There's 12 of us were going to England, you know. And Scott Jones, who well, used to be the associate pastor here at New Day, he was actually my outreach leader to this uh, trip to England. And um, when he was on staff and I was a student, and uh so this interesting thing happened, and he took this guy, Mark, and there's something that happened during the whole month of our outreach where he, he kind of befriended him, and he gave him a, a really funny nickname that had to do with his last name. It was like a twist on his last name. It almost sounded like a superhero or something. And he, it had, like, he was joking about 
like his name, but it was in an endearing way. And he, it was like he, he kind of befriended him, took him alongside him, kind of included him in everything. And, and it started changing this guy, Mark. You could tell over the course of the month that he started thinking, maybe I am something, you know, because someone was paying attention to him and including him and befriending him. And he became like the center figure in our, our outreach team and because we were like, we were making videos on the train. Like we'd be on the train traveling from one city to the next for like hours. And so we'd make these videos and we'd have him be the superhero in the videos. <laughs> he had these funny sunglasses and we would like, he would come in and like, you know, look really, you know, tough and we, whatever the video was, it was hysterical. And he became like this kind of fun guy, you know, but it's like, it took someone seeing who he was to pull that out of him and he became someone that on our team was like this really valuable person but you know I wouldn't have thought that just in my own you know kind of I didn't have a lot of time on the school anyway it wasn't like I you know disregarded him it just you know how things are anyway it just was so interesting to me to see one person paying attention to one other person and changing the way that everyone saw that one person do you know what I'm saying that is the power of honor um, honor is what um, is, is just such an amazing thing uh, the definition that that um, kind of is the, the definition of honor I'm talking about today is to hold people in your life, including yourself, with the regard in which one is held by God, with high respect, worth, esteem, revere, and value. God really values each one. Everyone here, God values you so much, you know. He really sees who you are. He really sees what's in there that he's put in there that is beautiful and good and has value and is is meant to bring something to this world, you know. And, and um... I, I recognize that that's a good thing to see people that way, but you know how the outward gets so easy to be distracted by that good thing that God's put in someone's life. But when we accurately acknowledge who people are, when we accurately acknowledge people from God's perspective, that gives us the ability to to see what people are going to bring us in our life, and we give them what they deserve. So it's like it, it positions us, to to receive from them the very goodness that God has placed in them and it gives us like the ability to love them for who they really are it gives them what they deserve as a human so when when we're recognizing you know the value of someone is it's like we are recognizing the spirit of God in them you know we're recognizing how big God is inside of them even when they're not acting that way you know, and it takes the goodness of God for us to be able to do that because we're all human, right? So, um, so this is some of the things that honor does, basically. It recognizes who someone is, who they really are, their true identity. It recognizes the Holy Spirit within them. It, it basically raises to the surface their God-given gifts and talents, their abilities. And it goes uh, past the outward and looks at the heart. And one great example of this is Gideon in the Bible. You know, Gideon was in a time where the enemy that was coming after his land, his people, basically, were, were very, um, they were just a tyrant. You know, they were very uh, murderous, and there was, there was a lot of fear. And uh, Gideon was in the wine press when God found him. And basically, he was hidden threshing wheat. And 
he was he was a hiding man because he was afraid because this enemy was so terrifying. Okay, so that's who Gideon is from the outward. But God comes in and he's got a plan for Gideon and he knows who Gideon really is. And so he comes to this hiding, fearful man and says, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon's probably thinking, what? You know, even Gideon himself is probably surprised by that because he knows what he's doing. He knows he's hiding in the, you know, the wine press. And, and, and God was calling out his identity. That's who he really was. But no one would have thought that. No one would have thought that at that time, looking at Gideon, you know? It took God's perspective to reveal who Gideon was. And then what did God do in the end? He took Gideon and decreased his army to 300 and defeated this countless army with, you know, some lanterns and pitchers and like this crazy story. But God did something amazing because what happens when you are honored is that who you really are can come out and what you're meant to do can really happen in your life. You know, and that's what happened with Gideon. Honor points out the wonder in others. Like the goodness that God has in someone's life. It points that out, brings it to the surface. It elevates people's status. Like John, or like Mark, uh, my outreach team. You know, he, he was, this had the status of kind of, in a sense, a nobody. And it raised his status to someone who everyone valued. Isn't that amazing? Honoring those in authority provides us with so much. When, when there are people in our lives that have authority, like a pastor or a leader, um, even like, out in the secular world, when we honor those who are in authority, it produces um, just the ability to receive from the things that God's given them to give us. You know, I've noticed that when I have like a, a general idea about, say, a guest speaker that might be negative, it's really hard for me to receive what they're bringing maybe on that Sunday, you know, because I have this preconceived idea of what they're going to give me. And and it's kind of limited in a sense. I'm not believing in the best that they can bring. You know what I'm saying? And so just anyone in authority, when we honor them, we are receiving from the blessing of what they have to, to offer. And so many times people are positioned in that place because God put them there. Then God has something beautiful for them to give out. We can receive from that. Honoring people and their mistakes and when things aren't looking very good in their life, when they're messing up, when we honor people in that place, it gives us the ability to see who they are through the mistake. You know, we, we aren't kind of jaded by the problem. We actually can see them. It's so cool. One, um, one person, that's a great example of the authority thing and someone in their mistakes thing, <laughs> is uh, David and Saul. Saul was making huge, massive mistakes as a king, and he was, he was attacking David, and he was, Saul was also in a place of authority. And somehow, I just, I'm like, wow, how did David have the ability to honor Saul? It, it's amazing. I really attribute it to David's time in the fields, worshiping the Lord as a shepherd boy. He just, there, there has to be something that happened that time that gave David the heart of God towards people. I just have to believe that. Like, there's something about worship and David. You know, as a king, something was implanted in him that he just knew how to honor. Throughout his whole life, he did that. And, um, and so anyway, he, he's, you know, being attacked by Saul. And he's, you know, running for his life. And he has, you know, potential opportunities to actually take out the man who's 
after him, and he doesn't do that. And he he's challenged by the men around him, and he says, "I you know I can't touch the Lord's anointed." He knows that that honoring you know whoever God had in that place of authority was more important than you know making his point or even saving his own life. You know, David is a really good example of honor. So the byproducts of honor. Um, when you treat people as their true identity, they begin acting that way. And that's kind of really clear to me in that story of Mark that I was telling you about. He actually began acting like he had value. And then his real personality was able to come out. Um, you are actually able to receive honor back. You know, the, the law of sowing and reaping really applies to honor. And when you honor people in your life, when you honor your people in your family, when you honor people around you, you know, you reap that back, and it's such a beautiful thing. And that's not the why we honor. It's because, you know, God is good, and, and we want to be like him. That's why we honor. But but the benefit of it is that we see honor reaping back in our life, you know, and, and that's, you know, awesome in relationships. You're able to receive from, the, from that person the fullest of what they have to offer. And one of the examples of that is Jesus. You know, Jesus, when he came and he was, you know, doing his miracles, there were people who were honoring him and there were people who were dishonoring him. And the people who were honoring him were able to receive the gift that he was, not only as a healer, but then for their own life and their own salvation. You know, those who dishonored him, unfortunately, you know, it, you know, to the very core of who they were, unto death. You know, it came to that. But, but for those who just dishonored him, like, you know, and kind of maybe, you know, tried to do things to steal away from his ministry, they weren't able to receive the gift that he was. They weren't able to see God's perspective on who Jesus was, because they weren't they weren't honoring. They were getting offended. It opens up the kingdom of God in that relationship. The one that you honor, the relationship that you honor opens up for the kingdom of God to move. It brings unity. It brings blessing in that relationship. It brings the goodness of God. It opens up for more goodness to happen, like, you know, whatever, miracles or blessing, giving and receiving things, you know, all kinds of stuff. It brings unity in families. It brings unity in churches. And on a bigger scale, it brings unity between churches to other churches. You know, it's just, it brings, honor is, is something that brings unity. So I've heard one person say that if you would like to test kind of the grid of honor in your life, start with your parents. <laughs> That's a good one, isn't it? <laughs> um, you know, Ephesians uh, 6, 2, and 3, it says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. This commandment has a promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. You know, uh, there's such a truth to this that it may be well with you when you honor your mother and father. Um, it, it is amazing. I had moments in my younger years where I dishonored my parents and suffered great consequences. <laughs> there was like this, you know, the protection that I had as I honored my parents, was lifted when I dishonored them, and I got into a lot of trouble, you know. And um, it's, it's very true. It's, I think it's also hard because the parent and um, child relationship is one of such intimacy, you know. And so when there's that intimacy, just things, you know, your natural self is just going to come right out, and there can be difficulty there. But when there is honor there, it it gives the ability to, you know, forgive and repent and to kind of work through things knowing who that person really is, you know, and treating people as they really are. 
Um, Danny Silk says, look for the glory that God has deposited in the lives of your mother and father and lock on to that. <laughs> look at the good things. Drag that to the surface in your relationship with them. And that really helps. It really helps the ability to honor. And so God was speaking to me through this whole time that I've been learning so much about honor. And he said to me, make your heart a home for honor. Make your heart a home for honor. And, and I was like, wow, that's really good. I, and I, I was like, I see a picture of my heart, and I can see that there's definitely been times where I have not been honoring towards people in my heart, and I just want to clean that out, you know? I want to start honoring people. So I, I really started, like, just letting God do that in my heart, making my heart a home for honor. I wanted to, like, take anything out that wasn't honoring and replace it with something that was, getting God's perspective. And um, what starts happening then is that your mouth starts becoming one of goodness because out of the heart, you know, the, the mouth speaks. And so your mouth becomes a mouth of honor because that's what's going on in your heart when there's honor in your heart. So how do you, how do you find out how to honor people? How do you find out about who they are? It's so simple. Just ask God. Just ask God. Be in relationship with him about people. You know, it's so simple. Listen to what he says and then take that in. So, but one of the most important things to do is to remember, and this is like the key right here, you have to be able to let God honor you. And you have to receive honor within yourself so that you're able to give it away. Because if in yourself you're not, you don't believe, you know, what God's put in you and who you really are, then it's really hard for you to be able to honor others. So actually, that's kind of what God's been working on me in the last, most recent time. And, you know, he said to me one day, you've been worshiping me a lot. Can I tell you how I feel about you? And I was, I said, okay. You know, it was like weird for me. That's not right. Like, we're his kids. We should be able to receive from him what he wants to say, you know. About us. He wants to tell us how he sees us and it's good, you know. And, and I was, I, it took me by surprise how for a moment it was hard for me, but I could tell this one was going to go deep, you know, and it's a little vulnerable. And so he did. He spoke to me some really beautiful things and I just started crying because I, I was so blessed by it and I could tell it was, you know how when you hear from God, I love you, you know, you're, you're my child or something. And then you're like, yeah, thanks God, you know. It's really easy to, like, take it in to a certain degree. But when he speaks it to your heart and it goes deep inside of you, you know, it, it really starts changing. You know, it takes you from shame to honor. And um, in Isaiah 61, he says, Instead of your shame, you shall receive double honor. This is the, the scripture that starts, like, um, I have come, set the captives free, the heal of brokenhearted. And he goes on and on. And it's, this is one that Jesus quotes later. But he says um, all those things about what he's going to do for us as his kids. And, and one of the lines is, I'm going to give you, instead of your shame, I will give you double honor. Isn't that amazing? Double honor. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Yeah. That's, that's the thing. is like God thinks you guys are so incredible. Like, he just thinks you're so amazing. Like, he just loves who you are. He made you, and he is good, and he just wants you to know that. You know, take time to listen to that and let it go deep in your heart. So, so here's the thing for me about judgments. God taught me. Um... 
I began to notice that it was difficult for me to really honor people if maybe previously I had judged them. And so God really started working in me about judgment. So I really wanted to talk about that today um, because I just have gotten so much freedom from this and it's just been like a huge revelation for me. So what is a judgment? A judgment is to make a condemning opinion about someone or a situation or something, and they can be formed from reactions to hurt or difficult situations or external differences even. Kind of like that guy Mark. Just the external differences I had kind of judged. Yeah, yeah, He wouldn't be someone I would really be friends with. Well, how can I say that when I don't really know him? It's the whole don't judge a book by its cover thing (laughs) showing up. Um, So to condemn means to express an unfavorable or adverse judgment on, to indicate strong disapproval of, to force into a specific state or activity. And what actually happens when we make judgments is that it produces in us an expectation. So say I judge Seth, say I judge him because he's hurt my feelings and the way he was treating me, I just judged him. (laughs) And I decided that he's this way. And I don't know, name something. And now I have this expectation that comes from that judgment, that that's how he's going to behave. So as he comes to me in something, conversation or a situation, I might filter what he's saying through my expectation of him without giving him a chance to actually come at me with something different. You know, so judgments are really powerful. You can actually see how someone else behaves according to your judgment. It's that powerful. You know, they're amazing. And the kind of judgment we're talking about today is not um, the kind of judging between right and wrong, discerning, you know, between things. This isn't the kind of judgment we're talking about today. Today, we're talking about to make a condemning opinion. It would be like the difference between, as a parent, if your child is doing something that you told them not to do, you know, that's judging between right and wrong, in a sense. Or your child is really annoying because they keep fighting with their sibling, and they just seem to be stirring up a lot of trouble lately, and I'm really annoyed about it, and I'm, like, judging them, in a sense. And, and, and do you know what I'm saying? There's a difference in that. So... Um, and they're causing me a lot of pain. <laughs> Judgments come from pain sometimes. Um, so that's the kind of judgment we're talking about today. And also, I'm not going to cover the whole kind of teaching on judgments. We do have a number of them on our um, messages on our website. In the messages tab, you can look up teaching on judgments and you can get the full thing. But today I'm talking about kind of an aspect of judgments. Um, in Matthew 7... It says, judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And uh, that right there states basically the law of sowing and reaping and judgments. You know, as soon as you judge someone, you reap something that's negative out of that judgment. And I have found it to be so true that when I judge someone, it causes division in their relationship. It causes uh, walls to kind of come up. And... There's just, it's just not the same. And I've had it where I've broken a judgment that I've recognized that I had in a relationship and immediately saw a change. Maybe that person called me up and said, how are you? And we hadn't talked in weeks and weeks, you know, and I knew there was a difference. 
you know, that kind of a, a power can happen when you break a judgment, and the law of sowing and reaping applies. In Romans 2, it says, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. And that, you know, there's power in judgments where you behave according to your judgment. And there's also where just someone behaves even more of what you've kind of felt like they were. And it's just the opposite of honor, isn't it? It's like honor sees, like, the truth in someone and the goodness in someone, and it goes beyond kind of the offenses, you know. Um, and, and just like I was saying, out of the flow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the flow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's right. <laughs> in James 4, it says, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you who judge the law, you are not a doer of the law but a judge. There is but one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? And, uh, you know, right there it just talks about how God is the only judge, you know, true judge according to people's hearts. You know, we can kind of discern between right and wrong. But, you know, we are not one to judge people's hearts and who they are in a negative sense. God does that. And um, and so we, as we judge people, that will come out of our mouth. We will leak the thing that we've judged in our conversations and in our atmosphere. We need to be careful of that. So the byproduct of the fruit of judgment is that instead of, like I was talking about with honor, it opens the door to the kingdom of heaven, judgments open up a door to the kingdom of the enemy. And it gives the enemy a place in that relationship. Um, It brings division. It puts up walls. And then you're unable to receive what that person can bring, what their gifts are. You're unable because you've, in a sense, judged them and put up kind of something against them. For example, that guy Mark. Like, I would have never really thought that I could receive anything from him because I just determined ahead of time, by the way he looked, that I couldn't. And and then that's the same example with Jesus, you know, that that people did not see who he was, and he was the Lord's anointed. Um. So as I started to, to allow God to reveal judgments to me, um, I, I started to notice, like I would break a judgment, and then I would notice like this freedom from fear that would occur in my heart, and I started realizing how linked fear and judgment is. And fear is such an underlying kind of foundational part of our lives. It's, it's pretty consistent. <laughs> you know, as we get to know God, more fear gets removed. But, you know, even just fear of man, acceptance, you know, that competition between people, that stuff really creates a, a real great atmosphere for judgments to come in, you know. And so as I was releasing judgment, breaking judgments and replacing them with honor, I could feel fear being released from my heart. It was like fear was was kind of being removed, and I could, I just felt like, wow, my heart really is becoming a home for honor. And then what would happen is that I would have kind of this negative or judging thought about someone, and it would feel foreign to me. Like, this doesn't belong here. Which one of these thoughts is not like the other? <laughs> Circle it, you know. It was just easy to tell because I, I just wasn't used to it anymore. You know, having those negative judging thoughts is just, my heart was becoming a home for honor, and therefore I was flushing out the junk. And then that stuff that would come would be like, what is this? It's like foreign object in this, the land of beauty. Um, <laughs> so this can be very true for families, you know. This stuff can operate in families big time. And, uh, 
and also in the family of God, you know, the church. And we just want to see unity rise up, you know, instead of that. So I'm going to bring an example along. Aaron, can you come up here? Okay. Aaron, come on up. Um, you can stand right here. Aaron is my brother in my family. And I, he's, been, he's been making bad choices lately in his life. And he's been ruining stuff. Um, you know, he's been hurting my feelings because he's been, you know, not showing up for stuff or he's been saying things about me and my family. Like, you could just tell it's just bringing a lot of turmoil in the family. I'm really upset with him. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm so angry and he's just been really, um, doing a lot of damage that I've, I'm judging him. I've decided to judge him. This, now that I've judged my brother, this is the enemy and he's working. I've invited him in with my judgment to this relationship. And so, you know, as I, like, look at at my brother, I'm just so upset. You know, I just, I can't believe it. And, (laughs) yeah, and I, I just, so whenever I go to hang out with him, there's just this, like, sense of, you know, hey, are you going to clean the kitchen? I mean, you didn't even show up, like, for a family dinner yesterday, you know. (laughs) <laughs> and in my heart there's just this negativity you know and he's he's been a huge trouble and I have reason for this you know he's causing problems okay so I hear this teaching on judgment I repent in my heart I repent for judging him but I also forgive him because he has been doing things that are really annoying and he has been wrecking me so I forgive him because God loves me and I am able to do that and God forgives him, and God forgives me. And then I repent, and I break the judgment, okay? So now I've invited God in. God is good looking. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. So, so here I am, and now I've, I've, you know, I know who he really is. I can see who my brother really is. I know what God's put in him. I can tell that he is, you know, really struggling, and he's had, like, questions lately. He's been discouraged by some stuff lately. I can see that now. And he is, like, he's really actually got, like, a lot in him, but I think he's just going through a hard time. Do you see the difference? Like, here I am, and then, you know, God just brings unity because I can actually love on him and talk to him about what's going on instead of confronting him in an angry way about what he hasn't done. You know what I'm saying? That's the difference. All right, thank you, guys. Okay. Well, um, just as judgment is a powerful negative, honor is a powerful positive. Just as judgment opens the door for the enemy to move in and divide a relationship, honor opens up the door for God and the kingdom of heaven to bring unity in a relationship. Judgment produces division. Honor produces unity. But you know what's so cool? Honor is more powerful than judgment because it comes from the kingdom of heaven and everything from the kingdom of heaven is more powerful than the things from the kingdom of the enemy. Isn't that the coolest? So honor can pierce through our crap even if we don't deal with our judgments. Honor can do that. Okay, so now I'm going to transition. Are you going to stay with me here? I'm transitioning to a whole other story, a whole other topic. Kind of. Same topic, just different kind of context. Okay. About two months ago, three months ago, um, we were at Breakthrough Prayer, which we have on Wednesdays here at New Day. 
and uh, we were praying, and through just this prophetic situation that came, we recognized that we needed to repent for judging other churches. As a church, we repented for judging other churches. It actually had something to do with Cameron said one Sunday a while back where he was talking about how someone who was a cessationist, someone who didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, always felt like people who were filled with the Spirit uh, didn't kind of come at them with love, and so they had believed negative things about people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you remember that? Anyone remember that when he said that? It really affected me. Anyway, uh, we were praying this one day and had such a strong encounter with God when we were doing this. And I started personally realizing that I had judged a bunch of churches in Kalamazoo out of the whole, well, they do it that way, and that's not good. We do it the right way at New Day, you know? Or even like our past church, RCA, I had judged that church for some crap that went out, you know? Or just like just things that had happened in my life in that church. And and I realized over the course of the next weeks, I had pretty much judged in some even small way pretty much every church that I had heard about in Kalamazoo. Heard about, knew about from a friend. You know, you hear stories like, oh, I went to this church and it was like this and I, you know, had this really difficult situation. Come to New Day. You don't want to experience that, you know. We don't have that at our church. It's just better here, you know. And so, you know, I just realized that. And one by one, I just started breaking judgments from churches. And when we were in that meeting, the presence of God filled the room so strong. And I realized so to the core of my heart that God loves honor towards churches. Our heart towards the bride of Christ is so important to the Lord. It's his church. He builds the whole church of Kalamazoo. And, you know, outwardly, I had really, like, followed Cameron's example and honored other churches in my head. But I didn't really, it took the Holy Spirit to, like, show me that I had really actually judged them. Do you know? It's like there's this one level, oh, I think so-and-so church is okay. Great. I'm so excited for what they're doing in the kingdom. But I actually in the core of my heart, had actually judged them, you know? And so anyway, I started removing these judgments and asking God for honor towards these churches. And I felt like the Lord said that this was a prophetic time for New Day as a church, that as a church, that that the Lord would like us to repent for any ways we've judged other churches, and even if it's our own church or our former church, and... And repent and allow honor to fill our hearts towards the Church of Kalamazoo. The other interesting part of this is that I've been in a number of gatherings, like just prayer meetings throughout Kalamazoo, a gathering of different churches, and always the topic lately is the unity of the Church of Kalamazoo, the unity of the Church of Kalamazoo. And I really feel like this is a time for New Day to step into a new level of honor towards the Church of Kalamazoo, and in order to do that, we need to get rid of judgments. So um, I have on this sheet here, did you guys all get one? That happened with, I didn't even notice. Um, at the bottom is just a quick prayer, and it's I, the whole purpose of this handout is for you guys to just see, here's how you pray through a judgment. It's so easy. It really doesn't take much. It's really about repenting and forgiving and releasing, you know. And just following what's on that prayer can be so powerful and break such, you know, judgments. It's crazy. And then the whole next thing you do is just ask God for honor. What is, how does he see so-and-so in your family, so-and-so in your family, or a friend, or whatever, someone in the church? 
whatever church is out there, you know. But I really feel like this is a time as a church that we need to just allow the Lord to establish honor. And what's going to happen for New Day is that we are going to receive honor back as we honor other churches. And the other thing I want to let you know is that in July 8th, there's going to be a united joint church service in Arcadia Creek with a whole bunch of churches coming together. And New Day has decided... To, as a, like just an act of this even, to follow, to, to honor all those other churches and be a part of it, just to join in and to be a unified Church of Kalamazoo. So we're going to have that opportunity on July 8th. Yeah, there will be no church here, but there will be a, the Arcadia. You'll hear more about that. We'll announce it. Um, so I just want to pray together, just as a church. Will you guys, are you okay with that? Are you on board? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Okay, so Father, we just give you our hearts in the area of judgment and honor. We just give you our hearts, Lord. Lord, we thank you for how you can work and the power, the power that is in honor, because that is who you are. The very character of God is honor. And uh, we just repent as a church for any way that we've judged others. And if you want to, you can just agree in your heart or you can agree with your mouth. I just say, I repent for judging others. I repent for judging other churches. Yeah. And we just forgive and release people or churches who have hurt us. Yeah. Lord, fill our hearts with honor. Fill our hearts with honor towards people and towards other churches in Kalamazoo or other churches we've been a part of, even not in Kalamazoo. Lord, give us a heart of honor for your bride, the beauty of your bride. Let us see that in our heart and treat your bride accordingly. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen. So as you guys... um, you know, take these papers, and you can just use them as a tool in your everyday life. If you're having a difficulty in a relationship, pick up your paper. Pray through it. Let your heart become a home for honor. Bless you guys.